warned. The British are coming. Mr. Fellows, Jeff Howard, nice to meet you, sir. Very nice to see you. Uh, I have, I'm embarrassed to say that I, I have never seen Downton Abbey. I didn't see the TV show or the previous movies. This is my first journey into the world of Downton Abbey. And I am telling you, I get it. I laughed, I cried, I had the best time. This was a total joy. And I, I just wanted to say, I understand now I'm no longer a Downton doubter. Oh, well, that's so nice of you, because actually I was asked today by someone, you know, do you think anyone would enjoy this film who wasn't a Downton fan? And I said, well, I hope so, because I hope we make the situation graspable early on in the film for them to be able to enjoy it. So I'm really pleased if that was your answer. Well, I'm excited to go back and start at the very beginning, you know, because my family... <laughs> My family and friends are, are, are just huge fans of the show, and uh, I totally get it now. So uh, thank you for your brilliant creation. And uh, it's just, I'm telling you, I came out of the movie just like crying and laughing. And so I kept telling the other critics, what a great time I had with that, not knowing anything about the show. But why did you avoid it? What put you off? I think it's probably because the dedication to the show, because of the history, you know, life is complicated right now being a film critic. And I told, I knew this, if this movie is, is a sample of what's in store for me, I probably won't talk to anyone for a week or two because I'm going <laughs> to start. And uh, I think you know, you're right though. I think it is that when something's been running for ages, I remember with Mad Men, uh, people at the beginning, so you'd love this series, you'd really enjoy this series. And I somehow didn't watch it. I can't remember why. And then gradually, as there was one, two, three, four, five series, it seemed like taking on a stepchild that's already eight years old. You know what I mean? And I, I just, oh my God. And then finally, I think I was ill. And I know, I know what it was. A friend of mine said to me, I, this is ridiculous. You haven't watched this series because you love it. I'm giving you the first three years. And so she gave me first three years. And of course, you know, then I did watch it. I was obsessed with it. I watched it to the last frame. I absolutely adored it. But I think that was what kept me out of it. There seemed to be too big a responsibility in taking it on. Well, I'm, I'm, it's my pleasure to take on this responsibility. So I'll report back to you next time we speak. So. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Morsley. Why are you here? You know I love anything to do with films. Well, I know you enjoy a trip to the pictures. Uh, it's more than that. For me, Hollywood is the ultimate dream factory. And I need dreams as much as the next man. Well, British Lion comes to Downton Abbey. You know, uh, England's answer to Hollywood. Cinema was making a transition from silent pictures to sound. But in the end, everyone at Downton Abbey was bitten by the acting bug, weren't they? Well, I don't know that Robert was terribly bitten by the acting bug. Uh, I think he was afraid of being bitten by the actors, which is a slightly different thing. But I think Mary enjoys it, but doesn't want to go on with it. And, I, and of course, uh, you know, Violet and, and um, Isabel, you know, one scene is enough for them. Uh, and, and that was, uh, for me, my experience, I mean, I remember having, I've, over the years, I've had lots of my sort of pals from that other world come onto film set. Oh, I would long to go on the set. Please let me on the set. And then when they come, you do one take, then you do a second take. And then they say, 
you're not going to do it again, are you? And, and, and you say, we haven't even started the coverage. This is just the master. And by the end, they're in makeup, eating sweets and, and phoning their wives and husbands because they can't imagine anything more boring. And so that, I think, is a fairly truthful representation for the rest of the family. But of course, the, the servants were much keener on film anyway by 1928. It was seen at that time as essentially a working class entertainment. And it was, it was really the children of the middle and upper classes that took them into the cinema because the kids started to go long before their parents. Uh, and I remember my father telling me about how, you know, he was mad for film, and so was my mother actually. Um, but he tried to persuade one of his aunts to come with him to some Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers musical. And she just came out and thought it was the most ghastly evening she'd ever spent in her life, you know. And so all of that sort of inspired the mixed reactions of the family, really. Well, this is the 70th anniversary of Singing in the Rain, which that whole movie was about the transition from silent to sound. And, you know, when Lena Lamont spoke, you know, she had that voice and that you did the exact same thing. She Was it a Cockney accent she had that was so thick? It was, it, it, this is Cockney in our film. It, it was, I think, a problem. I mean, of course, because of its comedic possibilities, uh, it, it, it's a sort of comedic problem. In real life, it wasn't always comedic because perfectly good actors because they were in many cases foreign rather than having a particularly coarse or rough voice that uh, they just had a you know they couldn't really Vilma Banke and Ronald Coleman were my parents favorite romantic couple but when the sound came Ronald Coleman had a beautiful English voice that took him right through the talkies until his death Vilma Banke couldn't speak English. She was, you couldn't understand anything she was saying. So overnight, he would continue as a giant star. She was finished. And, um, and uh, really what triggered, I mean, I adore Singing in the Rain and I love the idea that, that this is a sort of capped off to that film. And, and uh, I, I hope it makes people want to see it. But uh, the story that really triggered it for me was Gareth Neem talking about his grandfather, um, Ronald Neem, who actually became quite a successful writer and director. Poseidon Adventure, yes. <laughs> and, and he was a, a young, very young man working as a kind of runner or whatever uh, on a film called Blackmail, directed by Hitchcock. And halfway through, they had to change over. And, um, and again, they had a foreign leading lady and, they, and because they didn't understand how to record the pre you know, loop, as we would say, the voice, she had to stand on the set while the actress mouthed the lines and she had to speak them. So all of this situation was exactly as we had it. And um, as he was telling me, I, I was looking for a plot I think I said, where you felt the 20th century invaded Downton. Uh, and that seemed to give it to me. Uh, and then Gareth had this idea, he wanted to get some of them off their uh, comfort zone, you know, and take them somewhere else. And so we used these two storylines to sort of plait them together to make a spine. And well, this is this latest installment is also about transitions and making adjustments. It's making way for the next generation. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, at the center of that is Mary. 
uh, and you you have a sense that <clears throat> you should i hope that she is evolving i mean you haven't seen the show but when she started out she was very snobbish and rather cold and uh, dismissive uh, and all of these things but the way things have worked out uh, it, it so comes about that she now co-owns the estate with her father and her father's heir is her son and all of these things which you will be learning over the next uh, fun wrapped months as you work your way through it but um, all of that's true and and I feel in this film we show by her ability to take part in the film activity because of needs must I mean I don't think she would have promoted herself but it, you know that's the situation and she can see how important it is that she can do it uh, but also because her friendship with the director uh, a producer allows her to, allows us to show really that she is capable of moving outside her own rather golden social circle and having normal relationships normal interchanges normal friendships even a little bit of romance uh, with someone outside the group she socialized with. And, and for me, the ones who could do that were, were by and large the ones who survived, who could take in the modern world and make the necessary transitions and understand that, you know, the days of their cleaners not calling them by their Christian and all that stuff was all coming to an end and they if they were going to keep the house they're going to have to live in it differently and what i think we've shown is that mary is capable of that and you don't really i mean they may run out of money or whatever but you don't think that mentally she will be unable to make the adjustments of going forward because i don't think she will now a new era was set at the beginning of the 1930s and at the completion of the film i felt could we see World War II possibly come to Downton Abbey if you have another movie in store for us? Do we see what? Could, could we see World War II coming to Downton Abbey? Oh, we see, oh, that's a big jump. We're in 1928, 11 <laughs> years. I should think that's about four films. Oh, is so, it really? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if there'll be another. You know, I think I, I have to feel at the end of every film and every series, if that's the end, it's okay. And that's you know how I try to do it. And then if there's a demand that grows up and first it's a joke and then it's an idea and then gradually it becomes a reality. I'm fine with that. I'd be very happy, but I'm happy if not. Well, Mr. Fellows, this has been a total thrill. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, on my final note here, my brother and his family traveled to England. They're such fans to see where they taped Downton Abbey and did all the tours like that. Uh, unfortunately, I lost him last year. So I want to dedicate this interview to him because he was a tremendous fan of your show. Oh, well, that's a lovely thing to say. Thank you. Thank you so much. And let's talk again soon. I appreciate it. Talk again. Goodbye. Um.